Hello, Insiders, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with Inside Track co-host... Eb Wilkinson. And Bob Wells. Welcoming you to a special edition of Inside Track. I'm broadcasting live from my room on the 24th floor at the Intercontinental Hotel in Tel Aviv, Israel, looking out at a very spectacular skyline this evening, just after 10 o'clock p.m. local time here. I'm in Israel participating in an important mission with several of my Jewish Federation colleagues here for the next week. Uh, I hope to have a full report for you uh, when we uh, meet again next week as I conclude my time here. I've visited Israel many times, but have not been here since 2007, and all I can tell you is the changes are quite amazing. Earlier today, I, I felt like I was in the Wayback Machine. I spent a full day seeing some of the most historic sites in the city's original city center, which I had never been to before, including, including the early architectural gems, which make this part of Tel Aviv a protected site by UNESCO. As you know, Tel Aviv was only founded in, in 1909. I also had a chance to talk with local leaders about the labor and cultural changes occurring in Israel as an outcome from COVID. Now, the good news is that Eb Wilkinson is back in the KVOI Broadcasting Center, and after some news briefs and a commentary from me, Eb will be hosting Inside Track for the balance of the hour today and speaking with some very interesting guests, including GOP candidate for Arizona Governor, retired General Mick McGuire, And after the bottom of the hour break, Republican candidate for Attorney General Don Grove will spend some time with Eb talking about her campaign as well. And then rounding out the show today, friend of the show, community activist and leader with Reese Across America, Onita Davis, will join Eb to let you know how to remember a veteran special to you this Christmas. So stay tuned for another great show. This portion of Inside Track is being brought to you by the aforementioned Eb Wilkinson from Imus Wilkinson Investment Management, whose baby steps approach to your wealth management is designed so you never have to solely depend on socialist security. Call Eb at 777-1911 and let him help you. Now, look, Eb is the real deal. He works for our family and has achieved some great success for us. And when Eb makes a promise to advise a client, he means it. And believe me, he always goes above and beyond the call of duty. Call Eb Monday and get him working for your family. Now, insiders, this has been a very interesting week for conservatives in America. Glenn Youngkin prove that a Republican with America First guiding principles can win statewide in Virginia, even after Joe Biden's 10-point victory last year. Now, not only did he win his election, but strong conservative retired Marine Winsome Sears was also elected, she as Virginia, Virginia's lieutenant governor. Jason Mieris was also elected to statewide uh, Virginia becoming the Commonwealth's first Latino attorney general. And Republicans have taken back control of the Virginia House of Delegates. Republicans also fared very well in special elections for Congress 
and in many local city council and school board elections across the country this past week. But not in blue impacted, hard left-leaning Tucson, where each leftist candidate won their election to the city council. And we passed some pretty amazing propositions on increase of minimum wage and salary heights for the aforementioned city council. I think this is all hard to swallow considering the violence, the death and lawlessness, which has shattered what was once a peaceful city. Our Democrat city council has been shorting Tucson police before it was even cool to defund law enforcement. Even lefty cities like Seattle, Portland, and Minneapolis have started to turn away from defunding public safety, but not in Tucson. This collective bunch of so-called do-gooders claims to be for the poor and for people of color, but they have a tough time proving it to me that black and brown lives really do matter when it's mostly people of color and the poor who are senselessly being murdered in the mean streets of Tucson, Arizona. Are the elections of 2021 a bellwether for 22 and 24 elections? Maybe. We've seen the same thing play out in the run-up to every presidential election starting in 1980 from the party out of power in the Virginia state elections. Let's hope this trend will continue next year in the midterms. It seems to me that America First candidates who are disciplined like Yunkin and Sears and Mayaris uh, were, if they're disciplined on message and able to be nimble, playing off the hard left politics of the Democrat Party, they can win. And if they can win in a blue state like Virginia, then it's likely in the current political environment with a failing presidency, they can win anywhere, like Arizona and in states that fell short of victory in 2020. These elections should be a signal for all conservatives to stay focused on the prize and remain committed to America first principles locally and in statewide and federal elections. Ebb, I'll be back with you again next Saturday from Jerusalem for a report on our trip here in Israel. Until then, Mr. Producer, let's go to our first break. Stay tuned. When we return, I'll be headed off to bed in Tel Aviv, but I'll be listening to Inside Track on my phone while Ed speaks with a, with General Nick McGuire and the rest of our great lineup today. You're listening to Inside Track. Ed will be right back after these messages. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. 
Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? <sighs> no, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that. One family at a time. With Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson. IMUSWilkinson.com. 777-1911. 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. We've got another great guest for you, but first, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. They've got some of the best surplus stock available right now to help you with your next project. Bruce is using them as well. Call Jamie and her steel pro, Craig Beach, at 209-1576. Our first guest, Major General Michael McGuire, uh, from 2013 to 2021, served as the Adjutant General of the Arizona National Guard and more recently as the current chairman of the Board for the National Guard Association of the United States, which is the voice for nearly 45,000 current and former National Guard officers throughout the country. Mick is running for the U.S. Senate. General McGuire, welcome to Inside Track. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. We're sitting here with retired Navy Captain Bob Wells as well. Hi, General. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Great, Good sir. Afternoon. So, Good afternoon. So, Mick, you've had a very successful military career. You graduated from the Air Force Academy in 1987 and have had assignments from pilot training all the way up to commands at several squadrons, including the 162nd right here in Tucson, as well as adjutant general for the Air National or the Air Force Correction, the Arizona National Guard. With all that you've done, why the hell are you running for Senate? Yeah, thanks for that. You're right. I did serve 34 years as a commissioned officer and retired just in April. And uh, the reason that I'm getting in is I've never felt the threat of the republic pulled tighter than I feel it today. And the last straw for me, no more heavy than the last, just the last straw, was when I was asked to mobilize 6% of the Guard fully armed and full battle rattle into D.C. on January 8th of this year without proper legal authority. And what I mean by that is the Acting Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Milley, and the other members assembled the 50 adjutants general from the states, three territories in the District of Columbia, 54 in all, and asked us to mobilize the Guard there, and I asked three simple questions. Did President Trump invoke the Insurrection Act? Mind you, the date was January 8th. The answer was no. Did he declare an emergency for civil unrest or riot? He said no. And I said, did he designate this group the terrorist organization. They said no. Those three statutory requirements, any one of them individually being satisfied, would allow the Secretary of Defense to have the authority to mobilize the Guard. I told him, as a commissioned officer, I follow legal, moral, ethical orders, and I could not comply. Unfortunately, 53 of my 50, 53 of us, 53 others, besides myself, put 26,000 Guardsmen 
in D.C. without proper legal authority. I told my wife that day, uh, this is uh, illegal behavior, and uh, we got to figure out a way to turn it around. So threw my hat in the ring for the U.S. Senate. Now I've been a candidate for 18 weeks here in the great state of Arizona. So let's talk about that. Uh, last year, you did coordinate the largest mobilization of the Arizona National Guard since World War II to fight COVID, wildfires, the protests, and our border crisis. And most of us were unaware that the Guard was even involved in any of that. So talk to us about what that was like and how you are able to do all of this. Well, that year was uh, both the most humbling and rewarding of my career. I tell people all the time that the commanding general of 8,300 soldiers, airmen, and civilians in all 15 counties in the state, I was no more or less important than any other member of the team. I just had a different set of duties, authorities, and responsibilities. In that year that you mentioned, we at one point had 85% of all those citizen soldiers and airmen on duty responding to, as you mentioned, COVID, uh, civil unrest, wildland fires, and we had nearly a 1,000 uh, helping our great border patrol uh, uh, police and uh, enforce the laws in, uh, for immigration. Uh, and now you can see where we're at. Uh, but what it was like, our role in that was to stay behind the scenes and do primarily logistics, sustainment, and deliver food, ice, water, and medical supplies while doctors and first responders and others dealt with things like COVID, wildland fires, and civil unrest. Wow. So... You were also, um, l- let me let me rephrase this, what did you do in your role as director of the state of Arizona's Department of Emergency and Military Affairs that helped you prepare for being a senator? Well, I think uh, the biggest thing there is that it helped me understand uh, something that I knew intrinsically is all disasters are local, all politicals are local, therefore all disasters are political, and I would say the thing that we did great in Arizona behind the scenes in the emergency management and military affairs area was we stitched together a coalition between all 15 counties and the 22 sovereign tribes in this state. And weekly, we would coordinate with all 37 of those entities to make sure that they had a seat at the table because we knew the local leaders were in the best position to decide what they needed and how to execute it. Our job wasn't to take over. It was just to provide and fill gaps for resources that were not being filled. Similar model needs to exist at the federal government. This is a republic of independent states. And certainly we've learned over time that the federal government and the 2,000-mile screwdriver has never fixed a single problem here in the great state of Arizona. Bob? General, I really appreciated your perspective of putting the Constitution and the law front and center and that we are a law-abiding nation. And that communicates down to the citizens of Arizona. And certainly the service that is being rendered by the Customs and Border Protection on our border and the respect that is due them with regard to their public service. Harking back to a different era where John F. Kennedy said that, ask not what you can do for your country, ask what... uh, you can do for your country. Yeah. Restate that. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask go. what you can do for your country. Restate it. But how would you establish or reestablish the importance of public service, and in particular, respect for the federal workforce as a senator? Well, I think it goes back to what we're seeing right now. There has been a complete loss of confidence in the current military leaders. Now, look. Uh, 
you served in the Navy. I served as an Air Force officer for 34 years, and we're taught up front we follow legal, moral, ethical orders, but those are not co-equal problems. If we do not first judge the legality based on the supreme law of the land, the United States Constitution, before we look at morality and efficacy, we're in big trouble as a nation. And this really has nothing to do with what side of the political spectrum you come from. We've got to have the rule of law be preeminent, and we can't selectively pick and choose what laws we're going to enforce, be it immigration laws or laws about how we mobilize guardsmen outside the borders of their state. And uh, that's, that's why I'm in this thing. And, and I believe that the majority of Arizonans, the majority of all great Americans, know this is the greatest country in the history of the world. We're going to mobilize an army, just like I had the job of running and then commanding the great 8,300 guardsmen. We're going to mobilize an army of 2 million voters to say, I pick Mick. And they're going to know that the rule of law is the only thing that separates us from every other country in the world. And Washington warns us, tyranny of the majority is far worse than tyranny of the individual. Tyranny of the majority is 50 plus one. Well, with that being said, um, what is the stated purpose of government according to the U.S. Constitution? It's laid out right there in the preamble, right? Uh, First and foremost is to protect your liberties, provide for the common defense, improve the general welfare. But the truth is, All of your liberties come from God, and your freedom is from tyranny of the government. That's why the Second Amendment thing is so important to me as a guy who served 14 years in the Air Force and 20 years, 20 years in the National Guard. You know, when the framers of the Constitution said they'll raise an army and maintain a navy, they used different verbs for a reason. And the Second Amendment, when people focus on it, need to look at the first half, not the second, a well-regulated militia being necessary to sustain secure free state. Well, Mick, as a uh, Marine officer, nothing is more sacred to me than the Second Amendment. Uh, we know where you stand on that. Um, where do you see this coming under attack now, and what can you do as a senator to uh, protect that? Well, I think, I think that there's, you know, there's this huge pull in the media to, in some way, uh, attack the Second Amendment, not in some way, the full-blown assault. And, they, you know, think about it. You know, when I say the last straw is no more heavy than the rest, I remember, I think it was John Paul Stevens, former Supreme Court Justice, penned uh, an op-ed in about 2019 that was run in the New York Times where he essentially says that, that you know, the nature of man that existed in 1787 does not exist today. I don't buy that. I believe that natural law and human nature is still what it is in 1787, and that the founders of this great nation, as Antonin Scalia reminded us, that the Second Amendment pretext the Constitution, and it was our greatest check on tyranny of the government, regardless of what form of government it is, authoritarianism by an individual or the majority. So... What we have to do is make sure that we don't allow the media to grab the narrative and walk away from that, and they call you, you know, crazy. And uh, No, no, no. There's nothing crazy about the idea that this is the check on tyranny of the government that ensures your freedoms and your liberties that are a result of your birth by and through God. And, and that's why I don't believe anybody should own a single gun. They better have multiple. <laughs> With that being said, well, huh, yeah, go ahead. You bet. Yeah, you bet. I mean, the the idea is that, again, as a free nation and a republic of independent states, 
law-abiding citizens should not have to fear the government. And their check on that tyranny is the Second Amendment. It needs to be, today. Authoritarianism comes in all kinds of forms. And that's what the problem that I see the country facing today is the left wants total control of your children, your resources, your thought, your speech, and your gunpowder, all for the amazing low price of a home and health care. In exchange, you never talk to your neighbors again, and you give up all your individual liberties. That's what they want. General, with the people in mind, and certainly with your relationships that you've got here in Arizona, I'm sure you've been watching the results in Virginia, uh, where the two key issues were the that were drivers for the the people in that particular election included education and public safety. Do you see those as the two key issues here in Arizona? Oh, I absolutely do. I think that uh, I don't think there's a there's a mom out there in this country that believes that the state is in a better position than she is to decide what their children need to learn K through five about social justice, family values, religious liberty, and sex education. They need to stay laser focused on reading, writing, arithmetic, and history. And uh, I think the left has overplayed their hand here. I know that in Arizona, I'm a fourth generation Arizonan. My family first came here in 1930. This is the home of the rugged individualist that runs, you know, this state runs the largest nuclear power plant in the country here in Palo Verde with no running water anywhere nearby. So we have that innovative spirit that's been able to carve out what is such a the greatest state of the 50. And uh, that spirit will be what, what pulls us through. And this idea of, um, of defunding the police uh, we don't think back to 2018's election when we had a gubernatorial candidate saying he wanted to abolish ICE. That was the canary in the coal mine. We've come yeah. along from a long way from abolishing ICE to now defunding all law enforcement. And as I said earlier, as a strict constitutionalist with the Constitution being the law of the land, you cannot have a legal system if no one enforces the law. To that end, the Biden administration has basically opened up the border put up a welcome sign and left the Motel 6 light on. Talk to us about border security and what you have planned. Well, border security is, to me, the number one issue that every federal candidate is going to have to deal with. We have to build the wall, but I'll add as a commanding general, you have to surveil it and then enforce it. Any physical barrier you construct that is not enforced, it's not worth the resource you spend on it. But to that end, what we have right now is a completely open border. I was in Yuma two weeks ago. Now as a candidate, after four times deploying guardsmen to the border in the 20 years I served in the Arizona Guard prior to my retirement, and 121 people were apprehended in a two-mile stretch of border in two and a half hours. Wow. Not one of them from Mexico or the Golden Triangle. Complete lawlessness. The Border Patrol has literally set up some shade-like bus stops so that people don't die of exposure out there where the sections of wall are laying down but not yet erected. And um, they're literally running two vans a day. And when you ask about this whole open borders issue, remind all of those uh, Democratic voters that say they're not for open borders. Tell them their actions speak louder than words. Biden has spent zero federal dollars since January 20th to activate the mutual aid for the guard or any other state officials for ICE 
Border Patrol and Immigration Services, the three statutory agents that enforce immigration law and illegal border crossing. So it's completely wide open out there. We've got about a minute and a half left. Um, what do you think is important that our listeners need to know and why? Well, the most important thing our listeners need to know right now is it's going to take a whole state effort in all 15 counties. I need them all to go to electmic. That's electmick.com. Uh, we need to get 2 million in the Army. We need to get online petition signatures done quickly. I need small donors, medium donors, large donors. I'd never run for dog catcher before, but now I understand why these things are important to continue to work the name recognition and just literally build, sustain, and uh, operationalize the army of voters it's going to take to win back control of the U.S. Senate and stop the advance of the radical left. That's what I need the most. Great. Hey, uh, Mick, thanks for joining us today. Uh, We want you to come back. We'll catch up again soon. Uh, Mr. Producer, we're up for our bottom-of-the-hour break. When we return, Pam Grove, Republican candidate for Arizona Attorney General, joins us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the the cities and counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street. It's seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. I'm Eb Wilkinson with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. That's imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. This portion of the program brought to you by Eric Rudin and his professional team at Essential Pest. His team handles everything from bugs and pests to vermin and termites. Eric's team of professionals has been safeguarding Arizona homes and businesses since the 70s. Give Essential Pest a call at 520-886-8039. And now's a perfect time to call Corazon Cabinets to get a jump on your next home improvement project. No supply problems there at Corazon. Join their 6,000 square foot stacked to the ceiling with beautiful cabinets ready for your next home project. 
Call and speak to the design professionals at 488-2266. I've used them. Bruce used them. They are fantastic. On to our special guest this afternoon, Dawn Grove. Dawn is a manufacturing executive and attorney whose family built the Ping Golf Empire. She announced her run for Arizona Attorney General. Dawn, welcome back to Inside Track. Thank you, Eb. I'm happy to be with you, and it really lifts my hope for our future that you and Bruce do this this liberty-guarding show week in and week out. So thank you for what you do. You are more than welcome. We're also sitting here with retired Navy Captain Bob Wells right across the desk from me. Bob, I know, is going to be eager to beat on you a bit. It's all, all in good, you know, all in good, all in good form. Um, Dawn, what is the job of Attorney General, and why do you believe you have those qualifications? Thank you, Ev, for that good question. The job of the Attorney General is to guard and protect the liberties and rights of the citizens of the state. And when those liberties and rights are being harmed, whether it's by the federal government's overreach, by uh, unscrupulous businesses that are harming the elderly or particularly vulnerable population, whether it's harmed by networks of criminals who are releasing uh, wrongful uh, violence upon its citizens, whatever that harm is that's coming to their rights and liberties, the Attorney General is meant to stand up for them. And I I, uh, have a, a background of coming from a family of problem solvers who love Arizona. I went to law school to become a problem-solving advocate for people. I studied constitutional law under U.S. Supreme Court Justice Scalia, litigated in the courtroom for about seven years before coming in-house 23 years ago, and now as Vice President Corporate Counsel of a family business that employs over 900 Arizonans, including about 800 at Ping. Wow. Uh, I know what it takes to support small business, create jobs, give good legal counsel, and invest in the community, and I will take that experience to my next chapter of service in Arizona. So what made you want to become an attorney? I knew from the time I was 16 that I wanted to help people solve their problems. I I was the person people would go to in law school to figure out some creative way to talk to the board of the school or do something to make changes that they needed. And I loved being able to help people solve their problems. And when I first told my grandparents and my parents that I was going to law school, they shook their heads and said, oh, that's too bad. The company doesn't need a lawyer. So <laughs> I thought I was leaving the family business. And Pepperdine gave me a full ride. And so with that, I... Um, was was just really thrilled to have that that privilege to learn under Justice Scalia to understand all about the law and to become that problem solving advocate for people. So when you were working under uh, Scalia, uh, now you were studying constitutional law under him. Yes. Uh, so how was that experience, and how did that shape you? It's unmatched in experience. He was a prince of a man, and he would take time to answer my questions after class or take walks with us and talk about the importance of guarding the U.S. Constitution and making sure that our founders carefully crafted means of protecting individual liberties was protected, and that required defending the Constitution as written. So he really predicted this mess that we'd be in with agencies like the CDC and OSHA 
who are unelected and unaccountable, yeah. mandating Americans' lives and being the ones to write the rules and adjudicate the rules and prosecute the rules. It's not right. Yeah, we didn't vote for them. Did he, uh, did he teach you any opera while you were there? the opera. Uh, no, I can't say that, but he always was full of jokes. He had lots of long story jokes and uh, was just a, a wonderful, wonderful person to learn from. And then I got the chance to meet uh, his son, Eugene Scalia, and introduce him at an event uh, last year. So just just a wonderful family. Bob. Don, uh, re- regarding, regarding the Constitution and the importance of uh, of the Constitution to all of us, all, all the citizens, Arizona citizens, when you see uh, the federal government either extra constitutional or neglecting the law, enforcing the law, and in particular you mentioned the networks of criminals and the illicit trafficking that occurs, and Arizona is actually a victim of all this trafficking that occurs, what could you do as Attorney General to compel the federal government to do their job and also build relationships within Arizona to actually reduce risk? To the citizens of Arizona. You bring up a good point with Arizonans being harmed by what's going on, particularly at the border. I would say Arizona and Texas are disproportionately harmed by the Biden administration not doing their job to defend and guard our border and really giving an open invitation for people to come, especially with this latest uh, announcement of monies being given to oh God. illegal aliens. I, I actually went to the border last Saturday, and I, you know, expected to, you know, see some of the bad stuff I've been hearing about on TV. You hear one version of it on Fox and another version on CNN, but it was way, way worse than both versions that I heard. There's literally a cartel lookout on either side of the long stretch of border where you can see where the Trump wall was added 10 feet higher. Yes. They just they just made the cartel lookout 10 feet higher. And it's sort of, you know, jimmied there up so they can see until there are people who are crossing exactly where to go, where the Border Patrol agents are stationed. Uh, we could see someone from the cartel lookout you know, wildly signaling someone when, when we were up there. So, and then the cameras are catching 3,500 to 4,500 people coming across who are not being captured, and 90 to 95% of them are military-aged men. Yeah. It is an assault. It is wrong. It harms our border communities, and I will not put up with it. I, uh, you know, a few weeks after I announced... Um, Two bullets came through the windows at Ping, and one of them hit my office. And if it was meant to intimidate me, it has caused the opposite effect. And if it was random, I just feel all the more strongly about the importance of making sure that we get our community safe. And there is so much more that we could do at the border by building the coalition, working well with the governor, with the National Guard, with our Border Patrol, with the new $250 million that the state legislature has appropriated for building private uh, building a wall on private lands. There is so much more we could do to have a secure border and then a big door to know who's coming in and make sure that we are only allowing in the people who are rightfully here. You mentioned those cartel members that have those lookouts. But there's another silent cartel, and that is the uh, trafficking of fentanyl. And that's a silent killer for children, and protecting our children is, is fundamental. Uh, what would you do? To, are you... Are you focused in that area with regard to the drug trafficking? It seems, as you mentioned, in Texas, everything 
gets focused on human trafficking, sex trafficking, but this drug trafficking and fentanyl uh, needs to be addressed. Your I thoughts? agree with you. That would be a top priority of my office. I'm a mother, and I can just affirm that there's nothing more important to Arizonans than our children. And when we see the the amounts of fentanyl that are coming in, often which can be a killer in the in the first use, it, it's an absolute epidemic. It harms our kids. It addicts our kids. It's a criminal business enterprise. And maybe that's something that, as a business person, I bring uniquely to uh, the Office of Attorney General is this understanding that criminal business enterprises, you know, that they are selling drugs to profit off our children. They are doing the human trafficking to to make money. It's not a, a, a business for fun for them. And you have to look at what are the ways that they're funding that. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's the illicit sale of cigarettes, which has very little penalty, very little risk, but high money reward that they can earn that, that funds those other things. So I will look at at the creative ways we could bring down such criminal business enterprises. Hey, Don, um, this is Evigan. You, uh, first of all, I hope you kept that bullet that went through your window. Hang it on a chain and hang it around your neck. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. <laughs> second of all, you want to be attorney general, and in order to do that, you're going to have to swear an oath to uphold both the Arizona and the U.S. constitutions. According to the Arizona Constitution... What is the stated purpose of government? Oh, well, the Arizona Constitution says that the stated purpose of government is to protect the individual rights and liberties. And, and I would add to that that our U.S. Constitution uh, similarly says that, that the purpose of government, one of the main purposes, is to um, ensure that the, secure the, the blessings yeah. of liberty. Yeah, to, provide for the uh, common our defense. Children. Yes, all of those things. And so as Attorney General, it would be my privilege to help restore those purposes and push back on what the government, the federal government's doing that is not in the line with their purpose. Well, Don, we've got two minutes left. Um, uh, you know, we talked about the borders. We talked about all that. Um, based on your experience in the law, are mask mandates legal? Mask mandates, uh, from, from, especially from the federal government, are completely illegal. And I would say the same thing with these, these vaccine mandates. When, when the federal government is telling us this is what you have to do, Americans and state citizens, it is wrong because the states have reserved that power to themselves and to their citizens. And the U.S. Supreme Court has said that even Congress can't make a law that Americans have to buy health insurance. So how in the world does one man make a law that Americans have to inject health insurance or wear a mask oh, or God. do anything like that? These are overreaching, uh, wrongful grabs of control and power, and we need attorneys general who will fight back on that. And I actually had Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton out yesterday in support of me for a fundraiser, and I just look forward to working with uh, the other attorneys general to make sure that we guard our states and our nation's personal liberties and rights. Okay, we got a minute left. Uh, last of all, what do you want our audience to know, and why is that important? Uh, I would just want our, our <clears throat> listeners to know that I love Arizona, that I love liberty and wellness and a flourishing of community, 
and that it takes working together and listening to each other to do that. We cannot just lay over when the left says, you know, you have no right to speak if you didn't vote like the media told you to or big tech is trying to silence you. That's another discussion for a later date. Who we are, (laughs) and we need to guard our rights and liberties and stand up for them. That's great. Dawn, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, just go to dawngroveforarizona.com. It's dawn like a sunrise, grove like a bunch of trees. dawngroveforarizona.com. Would love to hear from people, and I really look forward to uh, the, the privilege of, of serving Arizona. Dawn, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We hope you come back. Thank you. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. And on to our next guest. Welcome back to Inside Track, friend of the show, Onita Davis. Onita's with Wreaths Across America. Uh, she's been on the show a few times, but it's always important to have her on. Onita, how have you been? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm missing you in our studio. I know, and I wish I could be there, but American Legion is having its fall conference, and so I'm outside in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Because this is important, and I I wanted to get the word out. So I apologize if people can hear the uh, plane, the sounds of liberty going overhead. Liberty and freedom, absolutely. Yeah, David Martin is having touch and go today. <laughs> well, Anita, I had a whole bunch of questions written, and I left those at home, so I'm going to have to wing this here. Um, okay. For For those who may not know, Tell us about Reefs Across America and why it's so important. Okay, and I'll, I'll do it as quickly as possible because oh, we, I know you don't we, have a lot. No, of No, we got we got we got uh, for another we got twelve minutes. Oh boy! Okay, first of all, talk slow. No, given <laughs> what is going on in this country right now today, and the speaker of Don Grove was right on when we talk about freedom and we talk about liberty. More than ever, Reefs Across America takes on a deeper meaning. Reefs Across America has a mission that one day we will have every veteran's grave covered by a veteran's wreath, not a Christmas wreath because we do it for all the veterans, a veteran's wreath on Remembrance Day. And Reefs Across America Remembrance Day this year is December 18th. Um, I just have a passion for it because I believe in freedom, I believe in liberty, and I know who made it possible. When these men and women, whether they were young or old, uh, took that pledge to go into the military, they gave the government a blank check that included their lives if necessary. Absolutely. And, and if all I can do once a year is go and, and put one of these beautiful wreaths on the grave of a veteran, and it does not have to be a veteran who died in battle. It is any veteran who has died and is buried in a participating cemetery. We want to have a wreath on that veteran's grave so that not so much for the veteran, but for us so that we never, ever, ever, Forget the price of liberty. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're with American Legion Auxiliary uh, what, Oro one, Valley. Oro Valley 132. Oro Valley 132, and uh, our 
The principal uh, cemetery that we support is, of course, the new cemetery for us here in the Tucson area, and that is the State Veterans Cemetery out in Marana. But wreaths across America is observed at all. Here comes that sound of liberty again. (laughs) Is observed at all the local cemeteries, private or not. So Evergreen, South Lawn, East Lawn, Holy Hope, all have Reefs Across America programs on the 18th that the public is invited to to come and help lay reefs. How did you get involved with this? What what what, what <laughs> I dro- don't know. What drove you to do this? I mean, you don't just wake up one morning and say, "I'm going to start laying reefs on on veterans' graves," or maybe you do. I don't know. Well, first of all, my husband is a Vietnam vet, and he and I promised ourselves that we would never, ever, ever see what happened to the Vietnam vets happen to any of the other vets that came after them. So that was one thing. That's how we got involved in American Legion. And, uh, of course, he figured I needed something to keep me busy, so he said, why don't you start an auxiliary? (laughs) At any rate, we had a member who was a Gold Star mother. She lost her son in Iraq, and she always participated in the Reefs Across America program at Arlington. And as as Reefs Across America started to expand across the country, she said, we should get involved. And she was a member of the Oro Valley American Legion Auxiliary. And so we said, sounds wonderful, and that's how we became involved. We We started out at Evergreen. And when they opened the new cemetery, we opted to uh, go out and support the new cemetery, although we still continue to support any cemetery in the Tucson area that someone would like to donate a reef to. How long ago was that so that you started? I'm sorry? How long ago was that? Oh, boy. <laughs> Our auxiliary uh, was created in 2009. Okay. So we started participating in Reefs Across America about 2010, and we have been active since then. It's my passion. I, there's nothing, Eb, you know me, and you know I can talk a lot. Oh, yes, I do. I mean, I talk too much. <laughs> but there's nothing like the feeling you get when you participate in the program and it comes time to lay that wreath, first of all. We ask every person who is laying a wreath to stop, read the name of the veteran and any other information on that headstone or plaque. Say a prayer if it is your inclination, and then lay that wreath because uh, Merle Wooster, who started Wreaths Across America, said, you die twice in your lifetime. Once when you take your last breath, and once when your name is no longer spoken alive. Well said. So, aloud. So we want to make sure that we say that name aloud so that veteran is still alive in our hearts. Bob. Bonita, this is Bob Wells here. I'm a retired Navy captain, and I really feel your passion, and I really respect your example and what you've done. And, in fact, I've just moved here from Virginia and I, did, oh, okay. I, and I have participated in the uh, wreath laying at Arlington National Cemetery, and so is my wife. But uh, I wanted to let you know that uh, your particular beginning with the Vietnam veterans and thinking about 
those particular vet, vet veterans. Can you, can you speak to uh, our audience today about the importance of all veterans, but in particular the Vietnam veteran group? As you mentioned, your husband mentioned uh, how they were received in the United States when they came back from Vietnam. What, what carries uh, the message about the Vietnam vets in your heart? Well, it's interesting that you should say that because right now as part of our conference, we have a speaker talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, many Vietnam vets never heard, thank you for your service. No one offered to shake their hands. In fact, some of them were sped upon. Uh, people called them baby killers. Yep. Um, and so all of that added to that post-traumatic stress. And my husband served in Vietnam and served during the Vietnam era, but he was with the U.S. Navy, and he was in an airplane. And so, yes, he was not boots on the ground, but we have lots of friends who were. And the thing that brings out a smile on the face of a Vietnam vet is when another vet says to them, hey, brother, thank you for your service. And welcome home. Absolutely. And welcome home. And so I think that um, that's, that really hits a, a soft spot in my heart. And so that's another reason why I just feel like we need to make sure that we are thanking our veterans every single day, whether they can hear those words or not. Well, you mentioned the Navy, and obviously I have a great empathy for my Marine Corps. Hurrah. Soldiers and sailors <laughs> and uh, the Marines, but in particular for the Navy, I had my mentor, one of my life mentors, uh, he recently passed away. He was a vice admiral, but during when he was a lieutenant, he used to be part of the Brownwater Navy in the Mekong River Delta. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. that particular service uh, continues to be important with regard to what we did in those riverine uh, missions that we had in Vietnam. So I really... Thank you very much for your husband's service uh, in the Navy, but also for reminding us all about the Vietnam veterans and also your passion and your efforts with the Reese Across America. Well, thank you very much for those kind words. And I, I apologize, Ed. Normally I have my my uh, cell phone clock ticking away, so I know how much time <laughs> I have. We've got three how minutes. Okay, so real quickly, I want to tell people what the wreath means. The wreaths are $15 each, um, but you can donate any portion of that. You can donate $5. You can donate a dollar. You can go to the Facebook page for American Legion or Valley, and there's information there. You can go to the American Legion or Valley website. You can go to the American Legion Auxiliary or Valley to our website. We have information out there. We certainly would like for you to support the American Legion or Valley's efforts, um, but the support is needed. So I don't know if you have to cut me short. You cut me no, short. No, keep going. Yeah, how many? Uh, how many wreaths are you looking at needing, and, and uh, oh, where are you at today good, with that count? Good question. Uh, for the Marana, which is the new cemetery, the Marana Veterans Cemetery, this year we need 1,800 wreaths. Last year we needed 1,400, but, of course, uh, wow. local veterans know of that cemetery now, so more people are requesting to be 
to be buried there, and we are still short about 500 wreaths. We are the smallest cemetery in the area. I mean, you look at someone like, or look at Evergreen Cemetery, which, believe it or not, has 15,600 veterans buried there, which includes Civil War veterans. And um, they desperately need wreaths. They only have about 15,300 counted so far. So all of the cemeteries in the Tucson area are in need of wreaths. If any of your listeners would like to, to lay a wreath and you don't know how to go about it, you can give me a call. I know people are probably driving or don't have a pencil at hand, but it's 520-229-1064 is my phone number. But if you go on Facebook or our website, you will see my name and contact information there. Perfect. Well, as we, well as how to order a wreath. Yeah, we. Uh, I helped you last year, Onita. I'm going to do it again this year, I promise. Um, listen, that's all the time we have today. Onita Davis, thank you for joining us. You've been a delight. Um, you have been so helpful <laughs> with all of this, and we thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, so and don't for, forget when you go on our website, Wreaths we, Across America, we, click We'll do that. For Bruce in Israel, Bob across the table, and myself, we hope you enjoyed hearing from General McGuire, Don Grove, and, of course, Onita Davis. Until next week, for Inside Track, this is Eb Wilkinson and Bob Wells. Hoping you have a very pleasant good afternoon. Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal, what are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911.